It's been an epic week of football, tons of penalty shootouts, a little bit of trash talking the Copa America side, and of course, Gold Cup action, and you can never, ever go wrong with that. This is On the Overlap. I'm Sasha Podzorov talking to you from my basement in upstate New York. That's James talking to you from his apartment in sunny Texas. And we're back with another episode. James, how are you doing today? All good, brother. I think it's a little too sunny, as you guys can see, but I'm dying to talk about this Euros. You know, the CONCACAF Gold Cup and everything far in between. Listen, Sasha? I got I got super sunburned. I went to a baseball game on the 4th of July, as Ooh. is my American constitutional right. And uh, now we're talking about football, as is not my American constitutional right technically, but by birth of Commonwealth, former, uh, you know, commutative property, former, yeah, former colonies, I can talk about it and seem... Like, I know what I'm talking about sometimes. Um, in case you didn't know, we now have a Twitter page. Make sure to follow it. It's on the Overlap Pod. Uh, if you read the bio, it's very, very um, exact as to what our podcast is about. We've got the Brainiac over there. It's that way, probably, from where you're seeing this. And we've got the last Brainiac, which is me. And uh, if you like the content, subscribe, like, follow blah 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 you know what to do uh we're on all the podcasting networks except for apple Podcasts right now and this will be going up video and audio version on our youtube so subscribe there as well now that all of that's over we're gonna get straight into it euro semis uh finished up today the final is set for sunday italy versus england at wembley stadium don't know what time it is eastern standard time or greenwich meridian time but we're gonna be excited for it anyways James, you want to start off talking about Italy, Spain? For sure, bro. All right. Honestly, <sighs> frustrating because I can't be I can't be impartial here. I have mm-hmm. to say it hurts me that Spain couldn't go to the final. But at the same time, Italy are a great team, and I think that if if I had to give it to any other team, it's Italy. And I'll talk about England in a second, but both both teams had their chances. Italy took the one that was glaring them in the eye. Actually, Italy. They had two open goal opportunities and they weren't able to take them. So, you know, I'm just glad that at least Morata was able to score. Yeah. Also missed in the shootout. But if you told me before the tournament started, Spain will get to the semifinal and lose to Italy. Knowing the Italy that we have come to see. And knowing would, the Spain that we know oh, on knowing, paper. Like, you can't complain. Whereas, I feel like read the comments if you heard the overall discussion Italy were they have only applause for Spain and that's what I love to mm-hmm. hear you know especially me <laughs> James if, <laughs> if I told you you know I didn't know you five years ago let's just say two years ago that in Euro 2020 regardless of what Euro it was actually played in the Spanish team with no Real Madrid players would make it all the way to the semifinals would you have believed me or do you have thought it was a bunch of bullcrap I would I would and thought that they had just cheated or something, you know, which they have never done, never, never, never. <laughs> but it's just unbelievable because when when is I would have either thought Ramos got hurt or that Real Madrid were just trash, but Real Madrid got to the semifinals of the Champions League. They have Asensio, they have Ramos, they have they had Odrizola, Carvajal. What, bro? Carvajal was touted just three years ago as one of the best right backs in the world, and he's not making the squad, but. What I've seen, they had just, they just had more chemistry without the Real Madrid players, and it's not to say that <clears throat> and Real Madrid don't really have that much youth talent coming in that's of Spanish blood. So I feel like it's just going to continue. 
Plus, I do feel like Luis Enrique was very sneaky here. He was like, you know what? Ramos is the only one that I could leave off since he's injured all the time. Okay, if I just say that, you know, Ramos, you're not fit enough to play. But, but no, on a serious note, I know if Ramos played, he would have gone injured in the first two games. His age is catching up on him. And these tournaments, they, they take a toll on players, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm very happy. And it, it, it generally got me thinking, can they go up a level? Or is this one of those, as far as they could go, kind of moment? Well, I think they need a more established striker. Um, also, by the way, Ansu Fati wasn't in the team because of injury, too, I think. Yeah. And, and who else were you going to say? I feel like I there's someone I'm forgetting. Adama Traore is not that prolific, so I don't oh. think his absence was, was that pivotal. Fair. Yeah. I, I, I kind of remember some outrage about that. Don't know if it was fake or not, just to sens- sensationalize and make the headlines. But, look, um... I don't know. I think I think Spain have a good team going forward. I'm saying this again as someone who you know wasn't a huge fan of Spain coming into this tournament. They proved me wrong. I'm happy to admit I was wrong and got a good future ahead of them. I just think that either Morata needs to figure out how to become a big game player or they need to, you know, find a striker in somehow. And I do have to mention Switzerland knocking out France made Spain's road to the semis a lot easier. I don't know if Spain would have beaten France. I don't know. Now, even the optimist in me doesn't think that they could have even... They would have been underdogs. I think any team that played France, bar Italy, crazy, right, was an underdog. Maybe not England. Maybe not England or Germany, but you get the idea. Spain would have been because they don't have superstars, whereas France, it's it's like the bipolar opposite. You got a team with no superstars, and you got a team where, like, if you're not a superstar, you don't make the squad. You know, it's unbelievable. And for them to have been knocked out by Switzerland, which then in turn lets Spain get to the semi, I'm glad. The other half of the coin is Italy showed a lot more composure than I expected from them. Just because I didn't know that they would have that physical, like, be able to hold off Spain physically. Mm-hmm. They definitely did. Also, they lost their left back in the previous game. I think it was against Belgium. Spinozola. Mm-hmm. So, that's and, he, and he was playing well too. He was one of their best players. He won man of the match twice of the three group games, or maybe you know, give or take, whatever the actual stat was. But I've been reading that Mancini has this system. It's very similar to like old school Netherlands Cruyff football, where it's like total. If my left back gets injured, I need someone who can play there. And if he gets injured, I need someone else. Kind of, and, and it's just going to show that he. He's got, like, endless tactics. And he, he, he definitely uses them. He, he made all the subs that he made during the game. They, they proved to be killer. And the most, I know you want to mention it, but it's, it's the technique that Jorginho used yesterday that gave him yeah. the win. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I was going to touch on that later. Since we brought it up, might as well talk about it. Jorginho, mm-hmm. call him a penalty merchant if you want. He's my <laughs> penalty merchant, I'll tell you that. Um, I tweeted that exact same thing out. Follow us on Twitter. What are you doing? Um, <laughs> but look, penalties are part of the game, like it or not. Penalty shootout is the way that a lot of games have been decided so far, like it or not. And having someone of Jorginho's quality to step up and take a decisive penalty kick like that and completely, utterly embarrass Spain's goalkeeper, Simone, 
look, that's just that's just class. That's just class, and just because of that, they deserve to move on. Just because of that. I I like that. I don't know if players choose or if the manager chooses, but whoever put that list together, I, I feel like it worked. Because mm-hmm. Locatelli, Locatelli for the group stages was their best player. And then, you know, I'm trying to say a lot here. Italy don't have a best player. They are just the best collective unit. They're a very, very well-oiled machine. Well-oiled machine. Where it's like you, you have a best player every other game, you know? And I that's something that I prefer over having a superstar because if that mm-hmm. guy isn't, you're screwed. Whereas with Italy, their quote unquote best Spanzola got injured. They have still they haven't looked like they lost a pace. If anything, with the open goals that when I Simone was leaving in that semifinal, I thought Italy were gonna win the whole win the game two four two, three, four nil. Mm-hmm. But then likewise, when Spain started putting on the pressure, Italy they locked in the defense and there's there's no weakness in their game. Like, if they're going to take you to penalties, they'll beat you. And mm. if they want to play physical, get a penalty, yo, there's no gap in this Italy team. It'll just be a matter of luck or, I guess, what else? What else What else wins you football games? Luck. Mm. It's just skill, well-coached, well-managed team. We'll talk about Italy a bit more um, in the final preview later on in the show. One thing I want, a couple more things I wanted to bring up about this game. Um mentioned Ramos earlier had he been selected you know I'm playing hypotheticals it's your favorite game to play had Ramos been healthy and selected to the national team even if they you know managed managed his time you know like load management Kawhi Leonard in the NBA and stuff like that if they used him sparingly throughout the tournament and then brought him on for like the last I don't know let's just say 45 minutes of the entire game including penalties how much of a di- difference do you think he would have made in terms of leadership and technique, skill, everything for that Spanish team? Here's the thing. It's hard for me to say, but I don't think Spain suffered defensively in Ramos's absence. Mm-hmm. However, had he been there, I know it sounds crazy, but Ramos relies more on his goals than his actual defending. And I feel like Italy having Italy almost exploited a very solid Spanish back line without Ramos. With Ramos, his gaps would have been bigger. They have fast players, bro. Insane kiss. So I feel like Ramos would have made that line a little more broken. I mean, and, and you're, I will say. You're, okay, like Laporte, yes, solid, mainstay, no questions asked. You're telling me you'd rather have Eric Garcia than Sergio Ramos in an international tournament while both are fully capable of playing. Here's the thing. When it matters the most. I'm talking like the last 30, 45 minutes of the game, including penalties. I know Garcia I, I, had to I, I, Garcia had to like be subbed off and everything. Uh, I think he got hurt. Paul Torres came on. If that was Ramos coming on for Garcia, I think it would have been different because then you have to change the entire penalty order. A fully healthy Ramos, fully well, fit. Well, fully fit at his age right now, not like prime, like right now. Right, 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 right now. It's just, it's just tough to say because it, it, it might sound insane coming out of my mouth that I wouldn't want Ramos in that situation. But they played really well. And another thing I want to want to add is that these players now have semifinal Euro experience to take with them for the rest of their careers. I feel like Ramos getting to the semifinals of this tournament wouldn't have added anything to his amazing legacy except for a few caps. Yeah. Eric Garcia, on the other hand, this is huge for his mental growth. 
physical growth and confidence. Now going forward, had they won the whole thing, I mean, I would have been over the moon, but then you couldn't say anything. So I feel like Luis Enrique took all the heat, mm-hmm. you know, and not winning the tournament wasn't like the expectation. They they blew away expectations. Spain did what they had to do. Honestly, if you had told anyone before this tournament, they mentioned to me, no Real Madrid players, but you're going to get to the semifinals and lose to a great team on penalties, which you would have been a hair away from beating them mm-hmm. at Marta. Number one, I, it would be such an amazing feeling that I wouldn't believe you. I'd be like, what's the catch? Did I die or something? Yeah. What is it? Here, here's another thing I want to bring up. Speaking of gaining a lot of experience, one of those people is Pedri, right? And I know, I don't know how you are if you're country over club or club over country, because he plays for your bitter arch nemesis Barcelona, but he's also one of Spain's brightest stars at what is he, 18, 19 years old. He didn't misplace a single pass until extra time against Italy. He played did he play the entire match I, I don't quite remember but he's shown a lot of promise what do you like about him going forward I like the fact that he's he plays agelessly which means that if you told me he was 25 or 30 I'd believe you it's only until people tell you you know you know how like Jude Bellingham for England or for Dortmund should I say now you don't know how old he is until people tell you hmm. that's the way he plays and he's he's taken that Barcelona DNA and bringing it to the Spain national team again, which, you know, they've missed for a little while now. And what I love the most about it is that he's playing with one of the greatest players of all time. Some say the greatest, Lionel Messi. And he brings what he learns back to the national team, which, in turn, I know that his his peers, they appreciate it, but people, when they watch him individually, they'll know what, what he's playing at, at the level now, will only get better. Like, if he was 30 doing this, you know, it wouldn't be as impressive, but he's 18 years old. He can't even get a drink in the United States, but that's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, and at least, at least he takes something from this tournament. Like, you had mentioned before about Ramos. If Ramos was playing this well, it would be a bit of like a, of a sour note to it because we don't have a lot of Ramos left. With Pedri, barred injury, which hopefully never happens, you can see him for at least another 10 years. Mm-hmm. And it's exciting to think what he'll be. They say the reincarnation of Iniesta is a lot. That's like that's like when people in the NBA get labeled the next LeBron, like Luka Doncic. Like they got a lot, they got to do a lot. But if they label him that way, it's because they believe in him. And I feel like in well, a little bit in the Barcelona side, he's got a lot that he can do because the team is so broken and disjointed. With the Spain team, he can be the pivotal piece going forward. Because up until this point, Spain didn't have a, a talisman. They, you don't think of one player when you see Spain. When you see other teams like Poland. Name, name another Polish player except for Lewandowski. It's tough, you know? Chesney. You get what I mean, you get what I mean. But with, with Spain, it's like Pedri and, and Co. It won't just be Pedri. Mm-hmm. There's there's a lot of reasons. And even though Dani Olmo, by the way, missed a penalty, I like the pen. I like him trying to go for the upper 90. Yeah. That's what people don't understand. If you went middle and miss, that's embarrassing. That's mm-hmm. horrible. Look, speaking of missing penalties, last person we got to talk about, at least for now, is uh, Avaro Morata, right? And he he's kind of been like an enigma for a lot of fans and even neutrals when it comes to discussing the Euros. He hasn't really played that great, but he did pick it up as of late. He scored. He ended up scoring two goals in the tournament, including the one that sent Spain into penalties uh, with Italy. Without him, there wouldn't have been any penalties. It did 
kind of stink, however, that he ended up missing a decisive penalty. I don't know if that's going to taint his legacy or his confidence going forward because, you know, there was a lot of negativity around him and he was kind of dealing through it. He got through it. He scored two goals. And then just as the high hit, the low came right after it. Do you think he'll be able to handle it well mentally going forward? Well, if I think about it rhetorically, then I hope. But I think so, bro. I think Morata, yes, he's never won an international tournament with Spain. Something that I know that bothers him because this could have been the one, and who knows if they'll keep trusting him. That's, but at the same time, this this shouldn't be something that he he fears will hurt his legacy because, as I mentioned, if you open textbooks, who's the top scorer in Euro history for Spain? That's a huge list of Raúl Torres, David Villa, yeah. and now it's Alvaro Morata. So as much as they clung him, many of us will never score a goal in a Euro. Because right, we're not in, but that's besides the point. <laughs> he's he's done. He's like you said before. He's just got to think to himself. Without me in the squad, there is no extra time. Mm-hmm. There may not have been that fourth goal against Croatia. And hey, it's easier said than done. I've seen Morata score some crazy goals that a lot of players are not capable of. I I just think it comes down to how much pressure there is when taking a penalty for your national team. Dead legs, I might add. I don't know. I've never ran 120 minutes at the highest level and expected to score. Yeah, Plus, but but he didn't start. He didn't start. So, I mean, oh. anyways, I mean, I, oh. I I hope he just. I hope he continues to improve and not decline. You know, I hope he goes on a rampage, not on a decline like Valatelli did after after his international but, tournaments. And, Which, speaking and, of, did you you see Balotelli, uh, uh signed with a Turkish club today? I heard about that. I heard about that. I here's the problem. He's become irrelevant. Like mm-hmm. Balotelli, or from, sorry, could sign for Barcelona, and I wouldn't care. That doesn't mean that he wasn't a great player when he was a great. But his his career died when he went to Liverpool. You know, I don't remember that. But he had a great few seasons with Milan after the Man City thing fell through. He. He was never world-class for a season, but he had potential to be world-class. Once that died, it just never came to light again. I don't know if he's in his 30s yet, but I don't want to get on a tangent with him because when I think of Balotelli, I remember good things. I remember that goal against Germany. Me too. Me too. Look, I mean, isn't Balotelli the perfect way to wrap up an Italy-Spain conversation? Someone who hasn't played for the national team in years. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on, England-Denmark... Uh, of course, two to one in additional extra time was the final score today in favor of England. And while we can talk about England right now or talk about England in the preview of the Euro final, I think we should start off by talking about Denmark and just the absolute sensational run that they had in this tournament. If you think that Spain getting far was impressive, this was beyond that. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, I'll, I'll let you finish this moment. Losing your best player is one thing, but in the manner in which he went down, it's scary. Yeah. For them to do this, unbelievable. They should be so proud of themselves. Look, going into the tournament, the consensus of dark horses between many fans was between two teams. Turkey. People people were split, yeah, between Turkey and between excuse me, and between Denmark. Turkey fizzled out, they never showed their promise. Denmark 
despite losing their first two matches, prevailed. They made it because of a tremendous victory against Russia to the group stages, and then they showed their worth, even without their best player, like you mentioned. Despite the circumstances, they rallied everyone together, and big ups to um, Simon Kerr. What what a just what a human being, right? Uh, yeah, he's just tremendous. Everything he put on, tremendous, both on the field, off the field, on the field while playing, on the field while not playing. So everything he did was tremendous. Um, that that team really just banded together, right? Like it, they just and and their play style was really interesting to watch. You know, mm-hmm. they weren't a class merchant kind of team or a penalty. <clears throat> penalty merchant team, you know, as, as the team that will be in the final of this. You know? I'm talking about England, by the way. <laughs> they, I didn't, I didn't really know what what kind of Denmark would show up. What I did know is that they would give their all and they put on a show. You know, only up until today did they disappoint me. But that's not like they they completely disappointed me. It's just that it would have been a very, t- it would have been Leicester City esque to see Denmark in another final. Mm. I don't know if you wanted to mention this, but Kasper Mike yeah. Could have uh, dad's footsteps because Denmark won Euro '92, and they were huge underdogs because they didn't have their best player, Michael Laudrup, entering that tournament. They won the whole thing without him. Now they don't have Christian Eriksen. Almost did it again. Unbelievable, bro. Yeah. A uh, quick note on that: I recently found out. I think it was on one of the broadcasts, or whatever. That because of that '92 Denmark team, they changed the way that goalies can handle the ball in a back pass. Yeah, I'm pretty sure like that whole rule of having to play the ball with your feet was because of the '92 World Cup and Schmeichel and how how they kept possession. Thought that was pretty <laughs> interesting. Um, but yeah, speaking of Leicester City and Casper Schmeichel, man, he was incredible today. And it was just so unlucky that this the ball went the way it did off of Kane's penalty. He guessed right. He he had a tremendous save and it just bounced right into Kane's follow three. Oh, excuse me, follow through. For for Schmeichel, it was the worst best case scenario, and for Kane, it was the best worst case scenario, right? Like yeah. Schmeichel guessed right; he had an amazing save, and then it bounces into Kane. He scores. Denmark can't equalize. For Kane, he missed a penalty. Oh my God! People were freaking out about how he was underperforming. He scored a couple times to quiet people down. Then he misses a penalty, but then he scores on a follow through. That just—I don't know if. If Schmeichel saved that, I don't. I don't know if England could have won on penalties. Just the way he was playing. Plus, Schmeichel has been consistently a class keeper. He saved the penalty against Luka Modric in the 2018 World Cup. I don't know if you guys know this, but before there was a penalty shootout between Denmark and Croatia, he saved the penalty in extra time, and it looked just like this. That's why it kind of hurts me to see him fumble this, because he's caught penalties like that before. It could have been a final, but could have, would have, should have. It's all in the past now. England are in the final, brother. You know, do, do you want to talk about just the strength of goalkeepers right now? I know we we could be crossing. We'll be, dub- we'll, be, we'll be double dipping, right? Because we want to talk about Emmy Martinez's performance in Copa America semifinal uh, yesterday as well. But, look, we've seen tremendous goalkeeping throughout all the tournaments Uh with Schmeichel, with Jan Sommer, with Emmy Martinez in the shootout, with even like so, some even of the small... Fina. Fina was very good leading mm, up to this. Yeah. 
But uh, Os- you don't know what you're going to get with Ospina, right? <laughs> I'm just, it's just the the sheer world-class goalkeeping from, it's and it's always like the smaller nations too, right? Like Denmark always produces it. Uh, you know, the Swiss have summer, Gulakshi with, with uh, Hungary. I'm trying to think. I mean, even like Ukraine, Georgie, uh, Georgie Bouchon was, he played pretty well. I mean, yes, he conceded four to England, but like he still had good saves. He had a lot of miscues, but I mean, none as bad as like Unai Simon, right? Oh, oh, like, uh, like, it, like Italy, Italy has Donnarumma, right? And Donnarumma is probably going to be the best the goalkeeper best. of of our generation. Oh yeah, um, because he's still what, like twenty three or something like that. He's huh? under twenty five for sure. It's ridiculous. But like, like take England for example, right? Pickford, he plays really well for England, and I, I, I know they haven't allowed a goal until the semifinal today yesterday by the time you're watching this but just imagine if like schmeichel was their goalkeeper if sommer was their goalkeeper they'd be virtually indestructible but hey there's balance there's yeah. balance there. except for france that is what is well, well, even even france could use a better goalkeeper it's not like Lloris is bad like i'm saying pickford's not bad either unai simone's not bad they're just not to the level of like of schmeichel of galaxy of of chesney of all these, of all these goalkeepers from smaller nations, that really rise to the occasion. Man, I mean, I have to do this, bro. Hmm. In 2012, when Spain won the Euro, right? They had a world-class defense. My God, did they have a great goalkeeper? Same with Italy in that same cup. I won't remind you guys what happened in the final because Italy got their revenge yesterday. But a great goalkeeper can really take you that to that next level. Sometimes. Having a great goalkeeper is all you need to get to the semis, like today. What it, I, I wouldn't classify it as a mistake. He caught the penalty, just fumbled. Oh no, it wasn't a mistake. It was just unlucky. Uh, it was yeah. it was the worst best case scenario for Schmeichel. Yeah, and hey, they wouldn't be there without him. That kind of thing. Like if he was a terrible player and he messed up again, you know, it is what it is. But he's their best player. Mm. And, and so, similar to what I was saying about Italy, this Denmark team is a great collective unit too. Because while they had a lot of great goal scorers, they didn't have that one player that made you think, oh, oh, he's the one to watch out for. It was just a great team overall. I feel like when they do their celebrations back at home, you know, fourth place or whatever whatever they get officially, they, they overachieved. And mm-hmm. that's always a good feeling. Especially for your country, not just for a club, but for mm-hmm. a country. For sure, man. All right, quickly, do you want to just talk about predictions for the Euro final? I, we're not, like former players who know the game really well, like our analysis won't compare it to anything that they'll be saying. Want to just say a quick score uh, prediction and why? Italy 1-0, regular time. Just because mm. I think Italy have proven that they can withstand any kind of pressure. And that's not me getting in the ego and thinking that Spain was the hardest test. England will be a, big, a bigger test. I feel like in, in a way, they, they will be able to handle it. If, if it took England 105 minutes to break down Denmark, I don't know how long it's going to take them to beat Italy. You know? yeah. um, I'm going to say England. Fair. England, let's go 2-1 England. Uh, AET, 114th minute winner. Just going nitty-gritty on the specifics right now, and I'll tell you why. Um, 
England's hardest test was Germany. They took care of them 2-0 yeah. uh, at Wembley. This is still going to be at Wembley. And Italy, ha- Italy, you know, they played at Wembley in the semis as well. So, like, they're a bit used to the pitch, a bit more used to the environment, but they're not ready for the English fans. By the way, can we talk about how the English fans were booing the uh, Danish national anthem? That was disrespectful. That was, that was disgusting, man. Like, what on earth? When I saw that, any other year, any other circumstance, next year I'll do that. I don't care. But, like, Denmark is the, huh, just, is the, is the team you love in this tournament. Like, I, just I know. Playing. I'll say just don't do it at all. But that just, you know goes to prove that what kind of atmosphere that can be and how harsh it could be for opposing teams. So I'm not saying Italy's a bad team. I just think that they'll end up probably playing more possession-based and England, England will take their chances and they'll have the backing of the home crowd, which eventually will work out in their favor. It makes sense. And I thought the same in the last Euro when France had the final at home. Sometimes home... And feel advantage is a disadvantage. It's like a crippling pressure. But I know? think I think it's a bit different just because of everything that England, all the expectations England has. I think they'll really want to come through for their fans. France made up for it in the World Cup. I don't think England will be able to in the World Cup. So I think this is their best chance as at an international trophy for the next few years. They They got to make the most of it, and I think they will. Also, I said England was one of the three teams I'd like to win the tournament heading into the tur- heading into the Euros, and they're the only team left out of the three that I s- mentioned. I literally said... I, I said this in a video that never got posted because the f- footage corrupted, but I said whoever wins England-Germany, because I knew it, it was going to be England-Germany in round 16, would make it to the finals. England made it to the finals. I'm sticking with them. That's a fair prediction. Honestly... It just depends which which team show up on Sunday or whenever the final is. Mm. This is whoever wins. I have nothing against either of those teams. I just had too much for Spain. Like you know, I wanted Spain to be there. Had it been Spain England, I think England would have won. Now that it's Italy England, that's the best team. Hey, I think it's the best team they could have faced. Mm. Proven, and they only have one major injury, which is Spinazzola. England though, they have so much like recyclable parts. Like if Mount gets hurt bring on Grealish. If he gets hurt, Foden. Like, like for like replacements. Yeah. Whereas with Italy, they kind of have one of a kind team. A team. Like I mentioned before, they, they're adaptable. They can go to three in the back, four in the back, five in the back. And that's what I like about them. Yep. Alright, we'll see. I mean, I'm excited for it, James. Uh, unfortunately, I have to tell you that I will be working, so I won't catch the final live unless I pull out my phone network, which I'm hoping I will be able to. Um, but you know, let's hope, let's hope that I'm able to do that. All right. We're about half an hour in, probably got a half an hour left, uh, of stuff to talk about. Copa time, Copa America going down in Brazil. Um, and the former host country, which was supposed to be Argentina and the current host country will be facing off in the finals. It's going to be, I think the first time Neymar and Messi are matching up since 2017, um, and it'll be really interesting to see. Neymar, of course, one of Brazil's best players of all time. Messi is Argentina's best player of all time. He's hungry for an international trophy. Neymar is hungry to prove that he's a leader 
and can win, um, which hopefully will be able to translate over to the club stage at PSG. The what huge final. This is huge. I think about it. If Neymar wins this game, it'll prove that he can win without Messi. Even even though Brazil won the last Copa America without him, which is pretty insane when you think about it. I don't know how on earth Messi could put on the Argentina jersey again after he loses this final. Despite everything, I think Argentina's going to win this final. I really think they're going to win. They, they have a goalkeeper. They finally have a goalkeeper. Now, now you're going to say, hey, we can't play a game without a goalkeeper. You get what I mean. Mm. Like, Brazil yeah. looked not that good in the semifinal against Peru. You know? And granted, that was the, the, the final rematch of, of the last Copa America in this semifinal. But they haven't faced in Argentina a team like this quite like this and I feel like this is the final where Messi goes nuts and I'm gonna watch it live yeah <laughs> listen I I think the same I think Messi will go nuts but you also have to rely on your surrounding parts and dude last game Andres linked me the um Di Maria miss dude what oh my. what like what the hell right like that is Okay, you got bailed out in the semis, but in the finals, you cannot mess oh, up those chances. Dude, you cannot mess up those chances. This will be legacy tarnishing. Whoever chokes an easy chance in this match, I've, I promise you. Like, I remember Maradona, rest in peace, once said, Argentina are the favorites in the final. They're going to win the final. But if you don't win the final, don't come home. And they didn't win the final, they lost the penalties. Now... Argentina just won the shootout. I feel like they have gotten over their demons of penalty shootouts in general. Shootout was like Jamie Vardy levels of like fun to watch, right? Uh, <laughs> all the all the you know trash talk between the two teams because I heard it. I didn't know what they were saying, but I heard it. Martinez was trash talking. I mean Martinez, not Latoro. Um, Messi was trash talking. Uh, Borja's celebration. I'll link it right here. You'll see it somewhere. Sorry if you're listening to it audio only. Um, was hilarious. And then Martinez's uh, pelvic thrusts when <laughs> he did not do that was just pure entertainment. Pure entertainment value. I'm glad I watched it. I'm so glad I got to tune in at the end because that was at the end of like a very, very busy sports day. Very busy. I'm so glad I got to tune into that. There was a semifinal of the Euros. Yeah. There was a... And, and, and. There was an even bigger event than all of these small tournaments combined. This... It was the Battle of the Guas. Okay. Final qualification match for Gold Cup group stages in, I think, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, if I remember correctly. It was Guatemala versus Guadalupe, or as the American commentator, as I say as an American, um, said, Guadalupe. Not how it's pronounced, by the way. Um, Guadalupe versus Guatemala to send the winner to the group stages of the Gold Cup, which is uh, CONMEBOL's answer to Euros and or Copa America. CONCACAF. CONCACAF. We're talking about CONMEBOL. CONCACAF, yes. Uh, I'm going to cut that out. Um, So I was watching this one live on my phone during the NBA Finals, which were up on the big screen. And the first goal that Guadalupe scored, I was like, okay, yo, they actually have a chance to beat Guatemala. Because, you know, I think about 
teams that qualify. Guadalupe is not usually one of them, I think. Uh, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, please. I don't really watch the Gold Cup a lot, but but Guatemala is. Guatemala qualifies a lot, and Guadalupe just had a tremendous chance. Uh, they're number ten, and I don't remember his name. I said it earlier to you. I forgot his name while we were talking about it. It started with an M, I think. He had a <laughs> tremendous chance. He finished it. Um, and then Guatemala equalized with some ra- some random luck, almost equivalent to Harry Kane's. Basically, a Guadalupe goalkeeper came out. He punched it away. It fell right to Guatemala, and they scored on a pretty free net. And then after that, it was still tied. Game went to penalties. Now, I already spoiled it for you. Uh, what the result was and what how many attempts it took, but it what it wasn't your average shootout. Like Argentina, Colombia finished three two, right? Mm-hmm. Italy, Spain finished what four three, four two yeah, four two four three four whatever, four four, four to two. This one finished ten to nine, <laughs> off twenty four attempts, Ooh. and the same Guatemalan, Sabayos, uh, I think his name was. Missed two penalties in the uh-huh. same shootout, and the second one was such a terrible miss. I don't even know what he was trying to do, but it it went so wide of the goal. Like he tried to curl it into the far post or far corner, I think, and it just went wide. I'm like, dude, what is going on? Guadalupe, you know, credit to them. They they made it through. They made it to the group stages, and uh, it's gonna be an interesting round of groups. I'm actually gonna pull it up right now just so you guys can see it before I go back to this. Look. Uh, so we can talk about the groups a bit, right, James? We see Group A, Curacao, El Salvador, Trinidad, Mexico. Mexico, of course, the favorites in the tournament. Canada, Haiti, Martinique, and the USA. Um, by the way, Mexico and United States are both playing their A-and-a-half teams, so not their best teams by any means of the imagination. Jamaica, Suriname, Costa Rica, and the heroes of the match that we were talking about, Guadalupe, in Group C. and Group D... Uh, you know, just your normal Central American teams. Panama, Honduras, Qatar, and Granada. You're thinking what? Qatar? Yes. Qatar are in the 2021... Or is it 2020? Whatever. The Gold Cup. For what reason? Well... Money. James, it's because Qatar slimeballed their way into hosting the 2022 World Cup, as we all know. And as a team that doesn't have a lot of success internationally they needed games to tune up so other than the asian uh cup that goes on asian nations cup i don't know what it's called or maybe it was just a world cup qualifiers they were invited to play in the gold cup against albeit weaker competition but still tune-up games is this is this right is this like morally right for qatar and if your memory serves you correctly this wasn't the first time it happens because they actually played in the 2018, sorry, 2019 Copa America. What? Like Qatar in the Copa America. Japan, I mean, and that was kind of weird too, but Japan doesn't have some match-fixing stuff against them like like Qatar does. So I say match-fixing. Post-fixing. I get it. It makes sense. But ethically speaking, it's it's not right. I feel like they're only doing it just to kind of get clout and kind of be like, hey, you know, people watch our games so that they feel less bad when the 2022 World Cup next year is a total dumpster fire, you know? Um, it's going to be, you know, bro, I complained about the Texas Heat. Over there, they had to move the World Cup to the winter. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, 
you know, when I hear things like that, Brazil's pretty hot, but even Brazilians can't stand that guitar heat. Oh my god. 30 days of that. Yeah. I don't know. I just don't, I wish there was time left for them to change it. You know how the Copa America, they moved it from Argentina to Brazil for the sake of COVID? I wish there was some sort of loophole where Qatar could lose the right to host that cup. Yeah. But they must have, they built the cities, they put so much money into this, more money than I'll ever imagine. And I guess they just have to go through with what, what, what they've done. And as for this tournament, I don't think they're going to perform particularly well, but... I mean, they'll make it out of the groups. They're not in the hardest of groups. You're right, and and they're not a bad, bad, bad team. Mm. They're just not Mexico or USA. Yeah. Or as as our our brand new favorite team, Guadalupe. (laughs) Listen, (laughs) the first French international team to win a penalty shootout, elimination penalty shootout this year. They have the same flag. And their number 10 does not miss penalties. Mbappe could never. Mbappe, only in experience. Um, you know, the the shame of the Gold Cup so far is that not only is there you know slight controversy about Qatar, a lot of human rights um, violations on top of bribery, on top of all the other stuff that Qatar has done, um, but also there's controversy in the fact that Cuba wasn't allowed to play in their preliminary uh, qualification matches into the group stages, and people's you know. People are trying to frame it as however it was. Let's let's put it plainly, right? Cuba was denied the chance to play in America for the Gold Cup because America didn't sign off on the players' visas, and that's just terrible. I don't I don't know what's going on. I don't know. I'm not a diplomatic person. I don't know the how the relations are in the current moment, but that's just completely unfair to that nation. They deserve the right to play. All the effort that goes into qualifying for the tournament. Imagine having the audacity to say that you can't play in this tournament for political reasons. Yeah, and 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 that goes back to the Qatar issue, right? These things, these controversies that are going on. They're taking away chances from smaller nations, right? Like the only Earth. Cuban person I can think of is the dude who played for Norwich, Hernandez. Hmm. And like, even that's more one more than I can name. Right, like. For these smaller nations, this Gold Cup really is their like Cup. their highest standard, right? Like this is their highest standard of competition. You, you you put Qatar in that takes away a spot from from a team like Guatemala who lost, or you know I I don't I don't really remember what other teams were qualifying. I'm sorry, there's just so many in Concacaf, but it's just it's messed up, man. It's messed up. Cuba deserves better. Concacaf should do better. America should do better. But speaking of Little Nations World Cups. How about how about we, by we I mean FIFA, create a tournament that has some sort of limitations, where teams who don't have a real chance of making it to the World Cup can compete in the Europa League equivalent to the FIFA World Cup. Why not? I mean, really, it'll be interesting to watch. There can be some crazy, crazy upsets. Like I mean, insane upsets. If if Trinidad can beat the United States if Panama can qualify for the World Cup dude they can they can do bits in a lesser World Cup you know what I mean and hey FIFA shouldn't complain because like more more tournaments more money more revenue exactly. more eyes on exactly like- and 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 not only that but it could put some exposure on these players from smaller countries 
to give them the opportunity to go not even I'm not even talking top five leagues, right? I'm not talking top five leagues in Europe. Maybe get them into Brazil, get them into Argentina, get them even into the MLS or, you know, somewhere in like Turkey, Russia. These aren't bad leagues. You can you could change not only that person's life, not only that person's family's life, but quite literally the life of every citizen in that person's town. Be- just because of the opportunity they get. it It's a win-win for everyone, I think. I want to make it like a point. Sadio Mane gave back millions to his community. Mm-hmm. What if his coach said, you're not good enough? What Drogba, Yaya Torre, Samuel Edson, the list really goes on and yeah. on. And I'm naming African countries just because I've, I've studied that. But this, this, I don't want to call them developing countries, but countries that are in necessity of these kind of superstars. Not just for the emotional, not just for the jersey sales, mm. but for the community. And, and, and they inspire others. Yeah. It's, it's Senegalese football players. They've got one player in mind. If it's not Koulibaly, it's Sadio Mane. Yeah. Um, but and, if there's no Sadio Mane, there is no hope. And, and here's the thing, right? Like, people watch the game no matter what. It's, it's a worldwide product. And for me personally, I enjoy watching international competition a lot more than club competition that's not saying that their club's a bad product i just i feel like there's more on the line when it's international right it's less about the money it's more about pride people people watch people watch like usl league three games or uh i guess usl league one which is american third division teams on espn plus right like people still watch that people like those countries have or sorry not countries those teams those clubs have cult followings i'm over here in the middle of game one of the 2021 nba finals watching a game between two teams that i don't care about just because i love the game right you give countries like say like guadalupe right they don't have a a big follow they don't have a big population it's it might be somewhere less than a million but you can guarantee that every single person that has access to that game will be tuning in to watch that game it puts eyes on it puts eyes on the product. It brings in more fans, and it's just overall a good idea. FIFA, hire me. I'll help out. I'll help out. You don't. You won't charge a lot. You promise. Listen, I mean, who wouldn't love staying up to one a.m. watching a game between Honduras and Malta? Who wouldn't? I would. I would love that. Plus, when when those teams aren't that skilled, well, I should say they're not as polished there's there really isn't gonna be like a favorite you know what i mean and it's gonna be so fun to watch exactly because like it, you'll it, see a ton of goals they're like crazy red cards and stuff because like, they'll lose heads and then you'll see a penalty shootout that goes 24 attempts where one player misses two penalties there let's, have been do born let's do like, it france against germany a relatively boring game bro it's an own goal decided it this guadalupe game if you put Germany jerseys and then jerseys, you would have thought it was the greatest World Cup final, bro. Mm-hmm. World Cup final. Listen, and I posted a video about Gu- that Guadalupe Guatemala game on, on my TikTok. Follow me on TikTok at Pazor Sports. Um, and there, there is a guy who commented and he said he was at that game last night. And he was like, I'm like, oh, how was the energy? How were the fans? And he said it was a really, really great atmosphere. And this is Guatemala and, Guad- and Guadalupe playing in Fort, I think Fort Lauderdale, which isn't even like a big, the biggest city in Florida. If that, if that game can draw fans, 
imagine. Just imagine the possibilities. FIFA, let's do something about it. Hit me up. Hit James up. We've got good. We've got good ideas in mind, and my you should definitely DMs, listen. My DMs are always open, twenty four seven. So if you guys want, to, you can schedule a Zoom or in person interview. You know, just hit me up mm -hmm. on Twitter. <laughs> One final segment to wrap this up. I know we've been going a little long, but there's been just so much to talk about. Um, and transfers is another thing we like to talk about here on the podcast. It's one of our favorite things to talk about. Rumors, official signings, unofficial official signings. There's been a lot of them. And PSG have been at the forefront of that. We, of course, know about the Genie Vinaldum signing earlier in the transfer window. But recently, they've been on a rampage signing Ashraf Hakimi, uh, Luigi Donnarumma. I think that was on even on a free, but I could be wrong on oh, that. Yeah. And Sergio Ramos, also on a free. So they're doing really good business right now. With those four additions being said, providing a bit more depth for the for the squad, and on top of their already tremendous players, of course, you got Mbappe, Neymar, Marquinhos, Idris Gay, Di Maria, who hasn't really been the best, but regardless, see, they've got a lot of class players. Are PSG your UCL favorites for next season? Oh, Jones? absolutely, absolutely. Because even when Bayern get back to their best, and they have added a pretty good young center back in Mancano. PSG are adding another element to their game, and they're replacing Thiago Silva with someone who, honestly, if there was another dimension, a parallel universe, where you could get another Thiago Silva, it'd be Ramos, just mm. because of that experience that he has. And he has won the Champions League. Until this season with Thiago Silva and Chelsea, amazing, right? He had not won the Champions League. But now, Ramos is four-time winner. He scored in two finals. He's, I don't think you have more experience than this guy. I don't think anyone has more experience than this guy, even Neymar. Like it's just it's just gonna add another level of mental fortitude to their team. Out, out of out of those four signings, who do you think is the most important? Donnarumma, without a doubt. I know that Navas is important, but he adds longevity into a position where it's it's hard to find a reliable keeper. I feel like PSG the only way that they really don't make the most of this is through injuries. Mm -hmm. I feel like he's just going to deliver his height, his youth, his experience with this Euro. Unbelievable. Yeah. What team on earth? Ah, oh, man. They, they just had the ability to pay him more than any other team. And that's the difference. Because I guarantee you Chelsea, Man United, any team. Real Madrid would have wanted Donnarumma. Mm -hmm. He's going to be the, the best keeper in our generation, yeah. as I mentioned before. Here's, here's what I'll say on that. I think long-term, obviously, Donnarumma is the correct answer. Short-term, I think Ramos it's the most important signing. I went over it in a video I made, I think last week. Um, Ramos is a proven winner. Oh, yeah. PSG are not proven winners. Ah. They choked the UCL title. Well, I mean, they didn't really choke it, but they didn't perform up to their abilities in the UCL title that they really could have won in 2020. They didn't make it to the final this year with a really good team, and they didn't even win the league, right? So... They're a team that are supposed to be winning the league, hands down. You know, they play in the French League. It's not the best. Still top five, arguably. But they are hands-on favorites every single season, year in, year out, to win that title. And they didn't even do that last year. And they didn't make it to the Champions League final to counterbalance that. So what they need is someone who has that leadership, who can command a locker room, and who can bring in that proven winner's mentality. And everything that I described is Sergio Ramos. He can oh, yeah. come in, he can, depending on what happens, you know, with Neymar's... No! 
could just happen. Phone's overheating. Phone's overheating. Bro? Is your phone overheating? It it just is so hot in this state. This would be pretty cool for the podcast, though. Does it sound like it's in my fridge? I mean, you know, it honestly doesn't sound too bad. All right. So what, what I was saying, Ramos, Ramos is... Ramos will command that locker room. You know, depending on what happens with Neymar in this Copa America final, he might, you know, take some of that leadership going into next season as well. But I, I just think this is just so, so important for them. Even if he doesn't play like the Ramos that we know, I think it's so important for them to sign Ramos just for that leadership ability because you cannot quantify how, how important it is to, the, to this team. You can't just, like, go to the store and be like, hey, can I get some leadership? You know, like, you just don't. You're born with it, you know. It's yeah. it's such a rare quality. Ronaldo had it. I don't know if Neymar has it. Which, by the way, as we we'll, mentioned before, Copa we'll, America final. Yeah, we'll see what happens in Copa. But like, I mean, especially after Mbappe missed that penalty, he'll need someone that can bring in that leadership. And Ramos is that guy. Definitely. Um, these are trophies that Mbappe has never won. Ramos has won every trophy that, that Mbappe wants to win. Yeah. Except for the Ballon d'Or, but that's not fair. Um, two transfers that you kind of preluded to earlier are Ibrahim Kanate to Liverpool and Dayat Upamecano to Bayern Munich. Uh, two really young, really great up-and-coming center backs going from RB Leipzig to bigger clubs. Which one do you, Which one of them do you think will be more important to their team? Konate, Konate, because Liverpool have to have a bounce-back season. Mm-hmm. Bayern are going to win the league no matter what. But if Konate can make a difference for Liverpool, he's going to come... Van Dijk will be healthy next season. Yeah, I feel like not only does he have the pressure to, to keep up with him, Prove why he's worthy of being a good partner, but they are the second most successful club in English football, and they have the second most points in a Premier League season ever with 99 mm-hmm. in the COVID season. So, bar last season, which was a total dumpster fire for Liverpool, they won a single trophy. They lost their best center back due to Pickford hurting him. You remember that? They're going to be back and looking for revenge this season. And if Konate is an integral part. Maybe the whole Van Dyke hype will shift to him. Just goes from <coughs> random center back. When you're in the Premier League, all the eyes are on you. Yeah. You get world class recognition. Like Bruno Fernandez was not the best midfielder in the world until he joined Man United. Mm-hmm. He went from Sporting Lisbon, essentially unknown, even though they're a good club, to best to World Eleven from the FIFA World Pro Exam. Eleven, uh, sorry. Just because he went to an English club and he's performing. Same with Konate. Perform, especially as a defender, which is rare. And you know how you know how uh, Ruben Diaz won Player of the Year as a defender because he performed well. Konate, while he may not probably win that, he will get recognition. Yeah, this is this is one of those rare times where I'm actually agreeing with you on the subject of the <laughs> transfer talk. I think Upamecano is going to be really important for Bayern. Uh, they have to replace Alaba, and Upamecano is, is just a stud, right? But for Liverpool. They've had so many injury issues. Uh, they won't have Ozan Kaba coming back. I don't think he's coming back after the loan. So they need that third center back who can rotate in and out. Whether that will be Joe Gomez, whether that will be Ibrahim uh, Kanate, it remains to be seen. But they need solid partners alongside Van Dyke. And in case of an- another injury to anyone, to anyone, they need center backs that can rotate in and out. And for that reason, I think Kanate is the more important signing. One final thing. 
we talked about confirmed signings. We've talked about UCLs. So let's talk about a little bit of rumors, right? Chelsea, my team, won the Champions League this past season. <laughs> Haters going to hate. Chelsea won, but there are still some needed improvements. Uh, mainly center back. Uh, goalkeeper can always be improved on, but it's not a necessity. They need more of backup goalkeepers than uh, starting goalkeepers because Mendy can hold his own. And yes. striker as well, right? They haven't really shown a willingness to spend early on in this transfer window. A lot of good center backs already off the table. Uh, I know Ramos was one of the ones rumored to him to Chelsea. Upamecano was as well, but Upamecano signed earlier in the spring and then was official uh, today or yesterday, I think. Um, But Chelsea, I think, are really looking for a striker. Werner hasn't been performing, although I still love Werner. Um, I don't know if they wanted to play Havertz in a striker role like Germany has. Um, and also, Giroud really wants to leave because he's not getting meaningful minutes at all. All that being said, there's not that many strikers that Chelsea can sign that would provide a really big impact. One of those people is Erling Holland, And this is all rumors right now. This is all optimistic thinking. But need I remind you that Last summer, you were the one clowning on me, saying there's no shot Kai Havertz joins Chelsea. Not only did he join Chelsea, but he scored the winning goal in a Champions League final for the team. Now, is this more unlikely than than Kai Havertz signing? Yes. Do I think it still might happen? Also, yes. Because the rumors right now are saying Holland's interested and that Chelsea's interested as well. Again, all rumors remains to be seen. Will Holland signing, hypothetically, to Chelsea be enough for them to be players in the Champions League next year? I think so. I think, I'm not going to lie to you, this guy's Kevin Durant-esque, bro. I feel that. Like, any team that Holland goes to is going to push them over the over the limit. I don't care how old he is. He's good enough. He's going to be a world-class player. He's probably already hinting and scratching at the surface of being world-class. And he's in a team that doesn't need him, but wants him. You know, mm. like Chelsea won the championship without him. You know, I, I really feel Kevin Durant vibes right now from Holland. Yeah. Um, I feel like if he if a team needs Holland, they won't get him. If that makes sense, he deserves to go to a team that will win you trophies. Mm. The only two, not even Real Madrid, not even Barcelona, it's Man City and Chelsea. Chelsea don't need Holland. You know, which, whichever team lands him. And if, hey, whoever doesn't land Holland, they're going for Kane. Yeah. There's these teams are getting world class strikers, which I'm curious why Chelsea don't think about Harry Kane. Why on earth he played really well with Mason Mount, wouldn't he? Yeah, uh, I don't know. I even you know with with the recent quotes I've been seeing, I with Tottenham's new f- uh, football director, it seems like he really likes Kane. I don't know if that will be enough to keep him out of the grasps of Man City. Um, who are also looking at Jack Grealish, by the way, which I think would be a really big ad for them. Um, but for I think if there's any transfer going on for Kane, it's probably to Man City, right? Since we've talked about Chelsea already, it's only fair that we talk about Real Madrid. Is there <laughs> is there anything they can do? Is there anything? Finances are kind of in the mud right now. Um, they may not make top four next season. I th- they'll make top four. You don't don't underest- <laughs> don't underestimate Madrid. Is there anything they can do, right? Bale's coming back. That's going to eat up a lot of the wage budget. I don't think he's going to be going anywhere. Um, Veron might leave. Veron might leave, right, but 
Alaba's in, so it's kind of like a dec- a better replacement because Varane has been iffy as of late. True. Other than Mbappe, is there anything Madrid can do? Prayer. Prayer. Is it Messi resigns for Barca? I don't know, bro. But they lost their manager. They lost Ramos. They're going to lose Varane without a doubt. This is This was a necessary transition. It's not like this day would never come. Honestly, the final nail in the coffin will be Marcelo. Because I remember Marcelo when he was just a left mid, then left back, and then... Oof, it'll be the end of an era, for sure, that I grew up watching. But I'll just have to wait and see, because I don't even know. Like, I couldn't I couldn't tell you confidently, if I was in their boardroom right now, you know, spying on what they have planned. But I don't think Mbappe's going to want to go to Real Madrid right now. PSG just got Ramos. What the hell? Like, there's no reason on earth to leave. PSG board, applause to them. There's literally nothing else that they can do. Because if you don't, almost they get messy, but that's not going to happen. It might. You never know. Who knows? That would be, that is truly Brooklyn Nets of PSG if they get messy. It's just disgust. But it'd be pretty cool to watch. I'm not going to lie. And on classic James fashion of comparing the NBA to world transfer news, this has been on the overlap. There's been a lot of technical difficulties, so if you f- find anything that resembles a completely finished product, we will be happy, and we're just happy to get this episode out. If you're still watching all the way here, we appreciate you. You know, send this to your family. Send this to people who you think might like this. We're always looking for new supporters, so yeah, you never and know. And like, subscribe, and follow on Twitter. This has been this has been Sasha, aka Sixpot, as you can see, and James, aka Guaje Dot Madridista. Yes, sir. We appreciate you guys. Yes,